afternoon, universe, and welcome to another episode of Crossed Fence, your weekly dose of worldview demolition, breaking down the stronghold bad opinions of the enemy, all his false notions, and setting up shop with the mighty fortress of our Lord's Word. I'm your host, Pastor Jonathan Fisk, and we're on a journey of imagination into the truth of Christian dogmatics. You heard me right. This is not boring, dusty, fussy stuff. This is the ever-living breath of God spirited out upon you so that when you hear him speak... You are empowered to speak back, to confess, to same say the very truth he has given you to believe. It's just like St. Paul says, we are to hunger for this truth. We're starving for it, so why would we not want more? We are to watch our life and doctrine closely, knowing that there's going to come a time, and frankly, it's already here, where people won't put up with healthy words, with sound doctrine, but rather to suit their own passions. They're going to gather around them people to call teacher, as long as they tell them what their itching ears would rather hear. But you, Christian, that is not the way you are to build your faith. It is not a smorgasbord of opinions. Rather, you are to cling to the trustworthy message as it has been taught in the scriptures. Speak it back and so encourage others. I'm your host, Pastor Jonathan Fisk, again, and I have on the line with me today as we look at Dr. Francis Pieper's Christian Dogmatics, speaking back this truth on primary and secondary fundamental doctrines. We'll explain what that means in just a moment. I have on the line with me regular guest, Pastor Brian Wolfmuller. He's pastor at Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado, and author of the book from Concordia Publishing House, Has American Christianity Failed? And Pastor Andrew Preuss. He is pastor at Trinity Lutheran Church in Gutenberg, Iowa, as well as St. Paul's Lutheran Church in McGregor, Iowa. So, gentlemen, we've spent the last couple of weeks looking at this idea of fundamental doctrines. This would be the context, the pages that came just before. And feel free to respond to anything in those opening uh, or that those sections that maybe caught your eye. But I'm just going to kind of throw it your way, this idea that Pieper has established that there are five fundamental doctrines of the Christian faith. This is not to say they're the only five truths or the only things you should believe, but there are five things that you more or less cannot be a Christian if you do not believe. And he established that these are your sinful condition, the person of Jesus Christ, the work of Jesus Christ, uh, the, uh, the, the word of the gospel. Oh, I'm losing the fourth one here. Uh, the word of the gospel that has been proclaimed to come out to you to justify you. And finally, then, the, the, the resurrection of your flesh from the grave. So what are your thoughts about any of that? And finally, my particular thought that I found fascinating was the thing that's certainly not a part of most fundamentalist thinking, sin and your sinful condition being the starting place of, of faith. So, uh, Pastor Wolfman, why don't you take it first? Uh, Preuss, yeah. follow right up. Sure. The, uh, Dr. Pieper wants us to... He's going to focus us in on those particular doctrines that bring to us uh, the salvation of Jesus. So the criteria that he's going to use for determining fundamental versus non-fundamental doctrine is their connection to salvation, which is really quite stunning. It's uh, it's not you know it's not looking at what scripture what doctrines are taught about most in the scripture. We're going to make those the fundamental, or it's not saying what um, you know what what are the ones that are controversial at this particular moment. No, it's going to say what are those doctrines that we have to have so that the grace and salvation and mercy that God wants to give to us we can have in our own lives. So it's really um, it's kind of a it's a salvation-centered view of what is fundamental in the scriptures, which is wonderful to consider. Pastor Price, yeah, that yeah, might hold on, hold on real fast. Is that you? Yeah, you're crackling a little bit. Does your does your wire on your phone have a? There we go. Go ahead. Uh, was that me? Or? Yeah, it was you. I think. Oh, okay. 
All right, well, uh, yeah, just kind of piggybacking on that. Uh, you know, I can't help but think of fundamentalism. Um, and, uh, you know, with, with fundamentalists, they're sort of your original, well, maybe not original, everyone's been doing this, but they're sort of one of your uh, gospel reductionists. Where uh, and the irony of gospel reductionism is that it reduces the gospel um, to basically a law, and it and it treats the gospel as though it's just a bunch of rules, and uh, and I think Pieper is really trying to avoid that, um, as uh, Pastor Wolfmuller just pointed out. You know that um, these the, these are the, the the doctrines that are most vital to salvation, uh, which which really hammers through the point that. The Bible is a salvation book. Um, it yes, certainly it has l- the rules in it, it has laws for for living and and all that. But uh, but the purpose of the scriptures um, and the center of the scriptures is Christ. Um, I would say though that I mean, I, this is something I've struggled with since seminary. Um, I don't know if I like the concept of fundamental and non-fundamental doctrines, <laughs> uh, but. The way I can, you know, you can tell the peeper is very conscious of avoiding these pitfalls of fundamentalism, so it doesn't turn into just a bunch of rules. And what, and the, and the way that we treat rules is we bend them, and uh, and 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 we like rules because we can at least imagine that we're somehow in control of them. Yeah, I, I'm kind of with you on the like. Oh, this is weird. It's a weird way to talk, but I I think the point is to say, like, at a certain point. You're going to cross the line out of a little bit 11 to the whole lump is, in fact, done for. And uh-huh. and it's when you've rejected these five things, the lump is done for. Now, what's stunning to me about that is not that he includes the person work of Jesus as two of them, nor the faith which believes in that word as a third, but that he includes sin. Well, OK, I could maybe even get on board with that. I still, I think it's stunning. He includes sin as one. you got to believe your sin and sinful condition is one. But then the yeah. resurrection of the body? I mean, how how much of Christianity has lost the resurrection of the body? Dear heavens! Yeah. Well, yeah, also it, the preaching of the gospel. You know that the the, the um, I mean how, that it's not just you can tell that he understands the gospel um, as, as not simply some information, but is a uh, you know the preaching of the living God, um, which is something I think in a lot of fundamentalists you it, that's not as clear. You know, for them it's more of just these are the ways. These, these are kind of the, again, the rules. Basic instructions before leaving Earth, I believe. Is, yeah, is exactly. Right? Yeah, yeah, right. exactly, exactly. <laughs> Wolf Mueller? Yeah, it's, and it's really um, one of the things that always surprises me when St. Paul is, is telling Timothy to guard the, the doctrine, the teaching, he calls it the healthy doctrine. Yeah. To keep the healthy doctrine. And, and that is this reminder that the doctrine is not given just so we would know these things. I mean, if... If, if people and he's going to do that, I mean, he's going to say, "Here's all the doctrine, and we ought to know and confess all of these sorts of things." But he, but he's going to recognize that the primary purpose of doctrine is not to be known, but in fact to save us, and hmm. and that's where this distinction comes from. What what are those doctrines that are saving us? What are the doctrines that are giving us health and life and the forgiveness of sins and life eternal? Now they all fit. They all fit together. But if you miss any one of these, you've turned the doctrine. Uh, it's no longer healthy doctrine. It's bringing about death. If you don't have these primary five fundamental doctrines, 
then you're not going to live. You're going to die. Yes, yeah, poisonous. Now, that's a nice segue, though, because there's more fundamental doctrines. They're just not the primary fundamental doctrines. There are more doctrines that save you. They're just, they're just secondary and that you might actually be saved without them, too, which this is, oh, what a weird thing. But, like, he makes his case pretty well. So we're picking up on page 85 of Francis Pieper's Christian Dogmatics, volume one, bottom of the page, where it says primary and secondary fundamental doctrines. He says, and first, you can tell that even those he's writing to aren't going to like what he has to say because he's, he's like, hey, I'm not nitpicking. Like that, That's kind of the opening segment here. This further division of the fundamental doctrines is not an invention of the orthodox dogmaticians to plague the theologians, right? We're not just trying to be like uh, nonsensical here. It is theologically correct. That is true. And extremely practical. And I think we're going we're gonna to see this as, as we move forward to illustrate in the controversies between the Lutheran and the Reformed Church, one of them, or excuse me, one of the disputed questions was whether baptism and the Lord's Supper belong to the foundation of the Christian faith, right? So, well, do they, right? That's kind of the question. Scripture has decided this question. Baptism and the Lord's Supper certainly do belong to the foundation of the Christian faith, together with the word of the gospel. For, now he's going to prove his point. For baptism is given for the remission of sins, Acts 2.38. And in the Lord's Supper, Christ's body and blood are imparted as given for you and shed for you for the remission of sins, Luke 22, Matthew 26. The promise and offer of the forgiveness of sins, which is the foundation of faith, is contained also in the sacraments. Hence, the doctrines of baptism and the Lord's Supper are certainly fundamental doctrines. But why do we call them secondary fundamental doctrines? Because, I added the word because, a man may, through ignorance of the nature and benefit of the sacraments, lack that foundation of his faith which the sacraments supply, but still have the true faith and the forgiveness of sins if he trusts in the word of the gospel as heard or read. And we'll kind of just stop there because I think that's, that's sort of the main introductory point, right? So, yes. Baptism and the supper are absolutely fundamental to Christianity. In fact, they and they're fundamental to your salvation. They are things which save you by 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 bringing to you the atoning sacrifice of Christ on the cross. But amazingly, while they're necessary, they're not absolutely necessary. Pastor Royce, you want to respond first? Yeah, this sort of relates to the uh, well. It really does relate to the what what Peter calls the felicitous inconsistency. You know, if the uh, the reforms were consistent with their with what they teach about the sacraments, um, then they would deny the incarnation. They would deny they would deny the faith. Um, but what what Pieper is is uh, he's what he's trying to do here is show how doctrine is very practical and that it's a it's meant for pastoral use. Um, I mean, just put you know, if I get, if I got someone coming to my congregation who has been baptized and wants to be instructed in the in Lutheran doctrine. Well, I'm I'm going to ask, well, where were you baptized? Who baptized you? If it's a Jehovah Witness, then I'm I, you know then that's going to be different than someone who was raised Christian Reformed. Um, you know, because that's going to tell me whether this person actually was baptized in the name of the Triune God, whether this person actually has a foundation uh, uh, that I can work with. Um, if I if we make no distinctions at all then we kind of set ourselves up for a lot of confusion in a very practical pastoral practice. Wolf Miller? Very oh. redundant, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Wolf Miller? 
this is this is this reminder that I mean if the true doctrine is the healthy doctrine it leads to health and life then error is a sickness it's I mean we can think of false doctrine like cancer now just because you have cancer doesn't mean that you die I mean a lot of people live for years in fact with cancer but it's not good and eventually it's gonna get you and so the false doctrine if you if you hold a false doctrine it doesn't immediately destroy your faith your salvation and yet it's not good it's not gonna help you well what Peter's saying is there's kind of an opposite or, or kind of a corollary to what he's going on here he says look salvation comes to us through the word and it comes to us through the word and water baptism and it comes to us through the word and the body and the blood the Lord's Supper and if you cut off baptism and you cut off the the Lord's Supper then you're preventing the this word of forgiveness to getting to you it's not gonna be good but you can survive you can survive just by hearing the gospel and not having the Lord's gifts of, of baptism and the Lord's Supper. You can make it through. It's not good. It's not what God intends, but you can make it so. So we don't have the privilege of kind of diminishing the Lord's gifts of baptism and the Lord's Supper because the forgiveness of sins is bound up to them. When Jesus says, uh, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Paul says, be baptized. Have your sins washed away. Peter says, baptism now saves you. Jesus says, this is my blood pour, poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. We don't have the privilege of saying that these are non-fundamental doctrines. Jesus has bound up the forgiveness of sins to these things, so they are, they are fundamental doctrines. And yet it is possible to hear the gospel and believe it and not have the benefits of baptism and, and make it through, like Paul says, a man who's built with straw and wood and the house is destroyed, but the foundation remains. It's possible, but it's not good. Not recommended. Also, Price, go ahead. It's also a very scary thing. Um, you know, that, that concept of, of being saved through fire, um, you know, that, that should scare the old Adam. That should, that should terrify us. And, that, you know, that's what uh, I remember uh, uh, talking to. Well, I, I started just kind of talking this way with parishioners where it would say, can you jump through a ball of fire and survive? Um, I suppose, but would you recommend it? Uh, no. Um, and that's, uh, and so that is, so that the, the, what is possible, um, we gotta make, we gotta, uh, be very careful that the, what is possible does not, um, become the, what is the standard and what is it that God actually desires for us? I mean, can God, uh, save someone who is, you know, can, can God save, uh, people who are underground for generations because the communists are going to killed all their pastors and then are going to kill them. Absolutely, and God does do that, and he has done that. But does that mean then that we should just have house churches and never never have the ministry of word and sacrament among us? Um, you know, that's kind of the, that's, that's the question. And when you're asking, I, one of the things about fundamentalism um, is that, like I said before, it's, it's, it's all about rules and laws. It's a very legalistic way of thinking. Um, and it's, it's sort of like they're constantly asking what's lawful, but they're never asking what's beneficial. And, uh, to, uh, you know, the, the gospel of baptism is something that the, the, the new man does not need to be coerced into believing the clear words of St. Peter and St. Paul and of Jesus that say the baptism saves us, that, 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 that this is the washing of regeneration, renewal of the Holy Spirit. Um, but uh, when and so there's that there's that temptation to turn it into um, a, a law that we we that can just sort of be like a lesser law so that we're in control. But rather, baptism is uh, actually teaches 
that we are not the ones who decide. And I think that's that's the real scandal. And so that's why just going back kind of full circle, you were saying before, that it's interesting that he starts with the uh, the depravity of sinful mankind, because that's really what the issue comes down to. You know, fundamentalism has as its idea that somehow we can control, you know, how much we can and can't, uh, how, how much we have to and don't have to believe. Um, but uh, we begin with that we are poor, miserable sinners, and that's a great place to start so that we can better understand these so-called secondary uh, pri- uh, uh, fundamental doctrines. Because who's going to have a, a contest where it's like, okay, we're going to burn a house down, and so you build of whatever you can, and the winner whose house lives through the burning fire is the winner. And you're like, well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to see how much I can get to burn down while still having the foundation there. I'm going to make it as weak as I can and, and just squeak through. Like, nobody would ever want to do that with anything reasonable, right? And yet that Ooh. tends to be our approach not only to Christianity as a whole, but to the gospel and the law. Frankly, we would do the same thing for the law. Who in their right mind would say, I only want just as, as much of my wife's love as, as I need, but no more, no more love, no more love for my children, just the bare minimum amount. Who would ever say, I only want a little bit of grace? Cross defense. We'll be right back. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Psalm 122, verse 1. Each weekday, the servants of God at the LCMS International Center gather together to receive the gifts of God in His Word. I invite you to join us weekdays, 10 a.m. for a live broadcast of daily chapel services on KFUO. Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. Hi, this is Bart Day, President and CEO of the Lutheran Church Extension Fund. On September 1 of this year, I started in my new position at LCEF, completely humbled by the call to serve. LCEF has faithfully served the church for the last 39 years, and the work of providing funds and services for the sharing of the gospel of Christ, well, that work will extend long into the future. Together, our investors and borrowers look forward to a bold future of serving you and the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Visit us at lcef.org to learn more. Concord Matters is a show seeking agreement in Christian confession. I'm Pastor Charles Henriksen, one of the hosts of Concord Matters, heard on Worldwide KFUO each Tuesday at 2 p.m. Central and a repeat on Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. Central. We take an in-depth look at the Book of Concord with some fine Lutheran theologians. Concord Matters, live on Tuesdays at 2 p.m. on Worldwide KFUO, the messenger of good news. You hear our voices every day as we speak the gospel, share the latest news, or for insightful and sometimes entertaining talk. Why not share your voice with us and send us your feedback, suggestions, and questions? Leave your comment at 314-996-1542. Be sure to follow us on social media, too, so you can like, comment, and share your favorite posts. Drop an email to KFUO at KFUO.org or send a snail mail letter to Worldwide KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. 
There's a time and a place for seeking the minimum dose in order to get the job done. In fact, if you're trying to trying to do something efficiently, you want to do as little work as possible with the best possible production. But I tell you what, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ is not the place to be seeking the minimum dose. But we are recognizing as we talk about primary and secondary fundamental doctrines in Francis Pieper's Christian Dogmatics with Pastor Brian Wolfmuller and Pastor Andrew Preuss, we are recognizing that there is a bare minimum dose necessary for salvation, and there are grace things, grace-giving things that are over and above that bare minimum dose, of which are included baptism and the supper. Now, gentlemen, one of the things that really struck me about the part we already read is just that last sentence. A man may, through ignorance of the nature and benefits of the sacrament, lack that foundation of his faith which the sacraments supply, but still have the true faith. What that says to me is that a man in such a such a place doesn't know where his faith comes from. He has faith in Jesus. He knows Jesus is his Savior, but he doesn't know how to get more of that trust. He doesn't know where to go when he's weak. Whereas, when you do understand the fundamental nature of the sacraments, baptism and the supper, now you have a place to flee when you need more grace. When I know that my weakness is upon me, my doubt to my disbelief. What do I do? I make the sign of the Holy Cross, and I remember that I've been washed, I've been redeemed, I've been called and named by Christ, Christ the Sanctifier. And what do I do week in and week out? I go and I kneel at the table of my Lord, and I say, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. And I can just sink my doubt into those promises. Whereas a man who is just without those things, all, all he can do is sort of wander as one lost, hoping the faith falls on him from the sky. God willing, the word, the word remains with him. So before we move on, any response to that thought, gentlemen? It is amazing that one of the things the devil constantly tempts us towards is to doubt our salvation, and the Lord Jesus has provided all these gifts to fight against it. I mean, that's one of the one of the myriad benefits of the sacraments, especially the supper, but even baptism, is that it gives this great certainty to fight against the devil. And with great sadness, then, we're going we're gonna to recognize those churches and those theologians and those theologies which want to steal that comfort from the Lord's people. And I think we need to be, like Pieper says, look, we cannot diminish these doctrines and call them non-fundamental doctrines, the doctrine of baptism and the Lord's Supper, because that lets the theological thieves get away with their robbery, stealing from the Christians the comfort that Jesus wants to give them. When Jesus wants to say to the church, this is my body given for you. Jesus wants to say, you are baptized, your sins are forgiven, life and salvation belongs to you. Jesus wants to say these things, and if you have a theology that comes along and says, no, no, that's not true, Jesus, you can't say that, that's stealing away the comfort and benefit and joy and confidence that, that Jesus himself wants to give to the church, and Peeper's going to have no part of it, and the, the church of the scriptures should also have no part in that theft. Bryce? When you see this as... Uh as gospel, as you've been emphasizing, that the that the, the sacraments are that that uh, just more gospel. It's more uh, more certainty for your faith. And rather than seeing it as laws, then you 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 don't you don't look at it as kind of this this uh, accusing sort of thing. And that's why I think a lot of, a lot of times people get their backs up against the wall when you talk about baptism and you talk about. Um, the Lord's Supper and how Christ has has instituted these things. That this is the true body and blood of Jesus. That baptism does save you. And I think one of the reasons why people get get their backs up against the wall is the same reason why someone who was maybe raised by a single mother 
might get his back up against the wall if you say that God has instituted father and mother and that this is the way that God has intended it to be for all children, to have a father and, the mo- and a mother who are married. And sometimes people get, their, get really offended when you say that because they're judging on their own experience, and for them it's a law that's accusing them. Um, and so when you talk about the sacraments, um, they're thinking ordinances often. And, uh, and, and, and with, with, you know, when it comes to laws, well, the, the least amount of laws, the better, right? But if it's gospel, well, then wait a second. We, we've just, we're saying the opposite now. We're going to say we want more of it. So that's where, uh, uh, you know, really if we can, I think that the, the issue really comes down to uh, the distinction between law and gospel and what is, what is doctrine primarily. Doctrine primarily is gospel. As St. Paul says, to Timothy, you know, uh, uh, take hold of your doctrine, take care of your doctrine, for by doing so you will save both yourself and others. That's what doctrine does. It saves. And if we can see it from that perspective, then, then we can see uh, how valuable then, uh, abundantly valuable the sacraments are. What you, what you said there kind of brings me back a little bit to what Brian was saying earlier about you know, kind of thinking of false doctrine as a cancer. And so, so yeah, I, I grew up without my my mother, therefore nobody needs mothers, because I'm okay. Well, I've got cancer, but I'm not dead yet, therefore cancer's great, everything's going to be fine. Well, you know, I, I've been a Christian my whole life, and I never believed baptism was necessary for my salvation, therefore it's not, and it doesn't matter, and you know, you don't even need to be baptized. Well, see, that's the same kind of move, uh, reasonably, right? It's the same kind of uh, step, as opposed to Hearing what God has surely said, both about mothers, right, and about health, frankly, uh, and especially about your eternal salvation and where to where to find these things. Now, if I could add, if, yeah, go ahead. If I could add to that just real quick. It's it's, it's would would someone who grew up in a one bedroom apartment with six other siblings say to someone who wants to give him a mansion, "Hey, where you come on, man? I grew up." in a one-bedroom apartment, that's all I need, you know. Well, of course not. He's going to take what you give him. So, uh, but anyway, you go on with what you were well, saying. We had, a, we had a question come through KFUO at KFUO.org. If you ever want to talk back at KFUO, that's where you send it, KFUO at KFUO.org. And this question was not directed toward any particular show, but I was just asked to answer it via email, so I was planning to do that today. And then, it, lo and behold, it actually has to do with exactly what we're about to talk about or what we are talking about. So I thought, let's throw this out here right now as well. Now, it goes it goes a little bit deeper. There's a nuance to this that I think we want to hit. But I'm just going to throw the question at you guys first as well. We'll do we'll do uh, Wolf Miller and then Preuss uh, in order. The question's pretty short. It says, do you have to partake of communion and attend a Lutheran church LCMS to be saved and remain a Christian? Thank you in advance for your response. Uh, so, uh, Brian, why don't you hit it first? Yeah, uh, Dr. P- uh, no, not Dr. Peeper. Dr. Walther, in his great book, uh, Proper Distinction Between Law and Gospel, says it's, a, it's an improper distinction between law and gospel to say that uh, a membership in an Orthodox church and participation in Orthodox worship is nece- is necessary for salvation. So, so I mean, I, the answer, and he's right. That's that's right. You, the Lord can save you from all sorts of different things. I mean, um, so, so when we talk about the these questions of the absolute, um, what what's the absolute necessary thing to be saved? It's to believe in Jesus, to trust that He's our Savior, and that His death forgives our sins. And the Lord is pleased to save us through these sorts of things. But the question 
is if if we could ask a different question, not what what from our perspective, what's the absolute necessary thing for us to be saved, but to ask, well, what does Jesus want to give to us? What does Jesus want? What does Jesus want his children to have? And the answer to that question is, he wants us to have his body and blood. He wants us to have uh, sermons that rightly confess his truth. He wants us to be part of a body of believers that hold on to his doctrine. He he wants us to have his gift of baptism. He Jesus has given us all of these things, and he wants he wants us to have them. And it's a very dangerous place to say, oh, all these things that Jesus gives aren't that important because I can get by without them. It's like, you know, it's I mean to. To, to have another analogy which is similar to what we've been talking about, it's like, it's like I suppose you could calculate like the the very minimum number of calories required to keep your body alive, like 230 calories a day and, the, and 14 ounces of water and this much percentage of oxygen in the air, and that would keep you alive. And then just say, okay, so I'm just going to eat like three crackers and drink a sip of water and 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 breathe only this many times a day and i can stay alive well who that isn't that's dumb <laughs> i mean that's it's just utter foolishness and to and to take that sort of approach to theology has the same sort of mark of of foolishness jesus wants to give us the body and blood he says do this in remembrance of me he wants to give us baptism he said go and make disciples by baptizing he wants you to have that stuff and if you're there saying well i don't have to have it then then your your faith is probably not in a very good spot. Pastor Price, um, I'll read the question again, too. So do you have to partake of communion and attend a Lutheran church LCMS to be saved and remain a Christian? Uh, well, first I point out that uh, LCMS is not the marks of the church. The marks of the church is the pure preaching of the gospel and the right administration of the sacraments. Um, the LCMS is a synod that, that, uh, that we have uh, organized um, that our fathers have organized uh, for the sake of uh, preserving that uh, pure preaching among us. So as, insofar as the LCMS actually uh, accomplishes that, then we're thankful, but it's, you know, we're not, our trust is not in LCMS. Now, that's, there's a difference between that and the Lutheran confession. And when we, talk, when we call our confession Lutheran, it's, it's, it's just like how in the 4th century they called the true confession Nicene because it was named after the Nicene Creed, the Council of Nicaea, um, in order to uh, distinguish them from the uh, from those who denied that Christ uh, true God or that, that Christ was uh, was true was true God. Um, so, so I'm going to so interrupt you real quick, real quick, uh, and just to turn your mic off and turn it back on because I think that fixed whatever the problem was. Keep going. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. So I, I point that out, but also going back. Uh, uh, to uh, uh, the Reformation, one of the things that the Lutherans uh, that we got after the Roman Catholics were was this idea that somehow the by the outward doing of the act of the sacraments that this is going to benefit you, um, uh, you know, uh, apart from faith, and uh, and this is this is what we need to maintain. Faith is what saves, but why? Because it receives what God gives it. It receives salvation in Christ. Well, then, going back to what Pastor Wolfmuller was saying, what has God established uh, to feed your faith, to, per- to both to provide for you faith in the first place and also to preserve you in the faith? He's provided you with his pure word, uh, rightly divided in law and gospel, uh, his uh, pure sacraments of bo- the body and blood of his Son and, and the assurance of your baptism. 
um, to have a pastor who is there to to talk things over with you and uh, and and teach you what your confession is um, in, in Christ. And then you know another thing to consider is uh, when you are baptized, um, you are given the confession of Christ. There's only one confession. Um, it, your confession is not your own testimony. It's not your own witness. Um, this is how I think a lot of people see confession as something that they kind of come up with themselves uh, based on their understanding of the Bible. No, there's only one faith, one Lord, one baptism. There's one confession, and Christ is the high priest of our confession, and that confession is given to you. So if you want to know what your confession as a Christian is, go find a church, probably in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, that teaches according to Luther's small catechism, because because that is a faithful exposition of God's Word, and your faith will be set. If I can respond to a little bit of everything there from both of you guys, it, the question reminds me of, of one of the questions that I would always ask during the theological interview of my confirmands. So to have the have the confirmands become confirmed, they would have to sit down with pastor and do uh, this little kind of conversation. And they had the questions ahead of time, so you know it wasn't it wasn't any trick questions. But the goal was to to get them to open up their minds a little bit and think with their theology. And one of the questions near the end of it was this: It was, "Do you have to go to church to be a Christian?" And they did a pleasant job of memorizing the exact answer, so they would never had to think about it too deeply. But the answer was, uh, "It's the wrong question." Yeah, it's the wrong question. Uh, no, I am not saved because I go to church. Going to church is not a good work which saves me. However, church is the place where the thing which saves me comes to me. And so why would I not go to church? And I don't know if the kids ever really fully you know, get that down. But the idea, again, is it's a law question where you need a gospel answer. Yeah. And so you got to put it back in that in that way of thinking about it. Um, so do you have to partake of communion to be saved and remain a Christian? No, you don't have to. But it's there to do that for you. So it's it's not a bad idea at all. And you have to attend an LCMS church. Interesting that this is all one question, right? I mean, why do, why do we have to have these things be the same? Do you have to attend an LCMS church to be saved and remain a Christian? Um, I am a member of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod because I share the confession of the gospel as written in the Lutheran Confessions. I believe it's a good place to stand waiting for the last day of our Lord. But by no means do we teach that there are no Christians outside of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. That's just, that's just not even there at all. But is it a good idea to attend a faithful LCMS church? Absolutely. Get a good pastor preaching law and gospel and the sacraments rightly administered. What more What more could you want, right? What more could you want? So going to go on and read a little bit more of the text here. Uh, actually, you know what we're going to do is we're going to go to break, and we'll come back with a little more of the text on the other side of that. What more, what more could you want but the gospel? Well, you'll get some here if you stick around. A long-standing tradition here at Worldwide KFUO is to broadcast live worship services for those unable to attend worship and for those who benefit from hearing God's Word online or on KFUO. This Sunday, our 8 a.m. worship comes from Peace Lutheran Church in St. Louis, Missouri, where Rev. Dr. Dennis Caston presides as senior pastor. Our 1045 worship comes from Village Lutheran Church in Ladue, Missouri, where Rev. Dr. Kevin Golden presides as senior pastor. Come worship with us on Sunday mornings on Worldwide KFUO, the messenger of good news. Three things make a believer. Oratio, meditatio, tentatio. Prayer, meditation, and growth. 
which is why every weekday morning from 7 to 8 a.m., we bring you Orazio, an hour of solace, contemplation, scripture, sacred music, and faith. Orazio, the dawn breaks with prayer every morning on Worldwide KFUO. Samson of the tribe of Dan. Samson is the legendary Israelite warrior portrayed in the book of Judges, chapters 13 through 16, and the subject of the new Pure Flix film release, Samson. It's not the first time Samson's been portrayed in a major film release. In 1949, Cecil B. DeMille's Samson and Delilah was the first major Bible movie since the silent era of film. It generated a new genre of biblical storytelling popular in the 1950s. Bruce McDonald, director of the current Samson movie, said, Samson was an unwilling hero, and his journey to regain his faith, the whole story, is relevant. Pure Flix CEO Michael Scott said, For anyone who ever wondered if they really could do what God called them to do, this film is for them. Engage with the Bible in its influence in every sphere. Brought to you by Museum of the Bible in Washington, D.C. Cross Defense, your weekly dose of worldview demolition. Breaking down the stronghold, bad opinions of the enemy, and setting up shop with our Lord's mighty fortress, His Word, which is the Spirit that gives you faith. Talking about fundamental doctrines, those primary ones, those secondary ones, with Pastor Brian Wolfmuller of Hope Lutheran Church, Aurora, Colorado, and Pastor Andrew Preuss, pastor at Trinity Lutheran Church, Gutenberg, Iowa, as well as St. Paul's Lutheran Church in McGregor, Iowa. I am Pastor Jonathan Fisk, and we're picking up in the middle of page 86 of Francis Pieper's Christian Dogmatics, Volume 1, where Dr. Pieper has established that there are fundamental doctrines that you don't actually have to be believed to be saved, but they're a good idea to believe because they do, in fact, do some saving things. Ah, that's kind of an interesting idea. We're going to go on and read the rest of the paragraph. He says, The reason that the gospel word gives the full remission of sins gained by Christ and baptism and the Lord's Supper give the same grace only in another and in a particularly consoling way. This is the reason for the everything he said before. I skipped a verb. The the reason for what he said before, right? So actually, let's just take that sentence right there. Uh, I'm going to read it one more time, but I think that actually summarizes things really well. The, The reason why baptism and the supper are not necessary absolutely, for salvation, is because the gospel preached gives full remission of sins. And the supper and baptism, which also give full remission of sins, do so in a particularly consoling way. Uh, what do you think, Pastor Wolf Miller? Let you go first on that. Yeah, sure. We, you know, we often talk about the means of grace, and we talk about baptism and the Lord's Supper as the means of grace, but really... Our Lutheran confessions, Luther himself would would say that there is only one mean of grace, only one tool that the Holy Spirit uses to get his grace and forgiveness and mercy to us, and it's the Word. And when Luther uh, unfolds this in the large catechism and says, well, what is baptism? He says, well, it's the water and the Word. And what is the uh, what is the Lord's Supper? It's the body and blood and the Word. And the Word there is the gospel, the promise of the forgiveness of sins. So in all three of these things, the gospel preached and baptism and the Lord's Supper, the the thing that faith is clinging to is the word that's there so it's the same thing so if you don't have baptism and you don't have the lord's supper for whatever reason due to bad theology or bad timing or whatever you still have the word and that word is what is absolutely necessary that same word is what gives its salvific benefit to baptism and to the supper that makes me think a little bit of philip and the ethiopian eunuch right so he's getting the word he's getting the word there's no water so it can't do a baptism oh wait here's water 
why don't we do baptism too? Since we can't, right? Same kind of thing. Preuss? Yeah, that's that's a, a great point to make. That it's uh, that it really all is the words. Baptism, Lord's Supper, are the the you know, I've heard them called the sacramental words of God. Um, there's no difference if, between the gospel of of uh, the spoken gospel and the, the 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 gospel poured on your head or placed in your mouth. You know, in, in the body and blood of Jesus. Um, the, the, there's no difference in their in, in in what essentially they are. You know, and it's not like Christ earned for you one thing and then earned for you another thing. Um, they all give you uh, the fullness of it all, but in different contexts. Um, and uh, and so you know, when you understand it from that, I remember when I was I was talking to a guy who was uh, actually uh, uh, claimed to be a good standing Missouri Synod Lutheran. This is another reason why, by the way, you shouldn't say just Missouri Synod Lutheran. Say confessional evangelical Lutheran or, or you know, this, this is our confession because, you know, it's a, you don't just go to a church just because it says Lutheran or even just because it says Missouri Synod. Test the spirit. I just right? say, it's I just a, say, uh, unaltered Augsburg confession till I die. That's, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. there you go. There you go. It's about <laughs> your confession. It's about what's being taught. So anyway, this guy I was talking to is a layman from a Missouri Synod church, and I had to deny him communion after the conversation I had with him because he he said he didn't believe in baptismal regeneration. But I, 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 I asked him then, okay, well, let's just back up. Um, he says, baptism, I said, I quoted First Peter uh, 3.21, baptism now saves you. And then he, he says, well, not unless you repent. And, and I'm like, okay, uh, well, let me just back up, just, just yes or no. Does the Word of God save you? And he just couldn't, he, he couldn't give a straight yes or no answer. I said, I'm not talking about whether or not you're repentant. You know, obviously we know if you don't repent, you don't receive it. If you're not repentant, you know, that, that we, know, we agree on that, sure. But does the Word of God save you? He couldn't answer yes. And then I just backed up even more, and I said, okay, let me back up. Does Jesus save you? And he couldn't say yes. Wow. And this is really what it comes down to, is that baptism, the Lord's Supper— the Word of God, Jesus, they're all the same thing. Hmm. And that's what we mean when we, and that's why we take them so seriously and hold them so dear, not just because they're sentimental, not just because our, our grandma gave them to us, no, because our Lord gave them to us for our salvation and for our constant comfort um, and encouragement. I love it. I love it. Go and learn what this means. Baptism equals Jesus, it is. It is not one or the other. They, his, how a man is not different than his words, right? We we would treat other people, nor just non God people, right? Just normal people. If I say words, you take that as me. Well, why would we do any anything less with the incarnate Son of God and, and his his words? Wolf Miller, I got a response to any of that? No, it's just it's absolutely beautiful. I mean, to, to kind of track it back because what Peeper has done is tracked it forward, and what Pastor Preuss was doing was tracking it backwards. But it's the same sort of thing. I mean, here is Jesus who saves us, Jesus who says that his gospel should be preached, Jesus who says to baptize, and we who receive all of these things, and and it and they're all bound up together. It's just great. It's a great conversation, and it illustrates exactly what Peeper's getting at. So, Peeper goes on, The Christian who does not make the right use of the sacraments, but trusts in the gospel, has the true saving faith 
though he lacks the additional support for his faith, which God has provided in the sacraments. Right? So it's, it's not like you can't believe, but we will say pretty clearly your faith's going to struggle more than it has to, or perhaps even struggle in the wrong way, because all, all faith is a struggle. But it's going to struggle in the wrong way. It doesn't have the, the support system that it needs. Baptism and the Lord's Supper, important as they are, do not have the same importance and necessity as basis of faith as the word in the form of the gospel. And are therefore appropriately called secondary fundamental articles, as funny as that might sound. The one is essential to the faith. The other is intended to support the faith. What is absolutely necessary is the hearing of the word. The, oh, here comes some Latin, articuli fundamentalis secundarii, right? The secondary fundamental articles. I said it. Yeah, yeah. In the words of Quenstead, but now I'm really going to run into trouble. Those uh, quinon simpliciter fundamentalis sui casa salutis sunt ad fundamentum tamen pertinent. Can you guys translate that? Either of you? No. Uh, <laughs> I. Yeah, just uh, just keep going. <laughs> <laughs> well, so so uh, with what he said before, you're right. The, the the distinction here is between really um, uh, say we're only using the word foundational or fundamental, so you don't want to say that. But it's between a support system and a a, a beginning system, right? A, an establishment yeah. system, and to see that they're both on a building, you need the walls and the foundation. Yeah, you, you actually need them both, and yet the foundation holds the walls up. Yeah, and that that word, the fundamentum, you know, that's that means basis. It's just, so I think that maybe when we hear like fundamental, that uh, that this is uh, like more and like more important, or or you know. Uh, we we rank things in, in again in such a re, re, reductionary way, but but to kind of put it in another way, that uh, the the sacrament of the altar is based on the word, the word isn't based on the sacrament of the altar. So you just you just got to get the order straight. So it's not to diminish at all. I don't think that the people's intentions at all are to diminish the secondary. It's just simply to clarify that the secondary are founded upon the primary. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, can, uh, save me from heresy if I do this, but, you know, wh- which came first, uh, Jesus of Nazareth or the eternal word of God, right? Like, uh, as a man, as a human man, he was born in time. And so, mm-hmm. but th- this word, who was before, became flesh and dwelt among us. Well, does that make Jesus of Nazareth less important than the eternal word of God? No, he is the eternal word of God, right? <laughs> so, but but it's it, it is now he has now come in a way to uh, become a means of grace for us, and so also baptism and the supper do the same thing. Eh? I, I would, did did I, I step in heresy there? Fix I me would, if I did. Uh, well, I would just clarify there that uh, you can't you can't worship the uh, the 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 divinity of Christ. And not worship the humanity of Christ. Mm. If you do that, then you know. I don't know if you can be. I don't know if I can call you a Christian. Not currently. So. <laughs> no, but so, but 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 could you before? I mean, that's golly, we're really no. running in trouble here. No. Right you would say you, you would say you had to know what was coming. We'll crush the head of the devil. Oh, good that's for you. Where, that's where your uh, that's where their faith was in. Yeah. It was in the it was in the flesh of God. Yeah. Behold, I have gotten a man, the Lord. You're right. That's good. Thank you. Appreciate that, Pastor Preuss. Excellent. We're not on sharper iron. What are you doing? Sharpening my iron for me, man. Come on. All right. We're going to read a little bit of the of page 87 here on Peeper's Dogmatics, volume one. We won't finish this whole page. We'll pick up some of it next week. But he says, in view of this relation between the primary and secondary fundamental articles, one should exercise due restraint in judging the personal state of faith of those who deny 
the secondary articles. I mean, that right there. Hello, Lutherans. We should hear this one, right? Just because we have it better, and we do, when we are able to remember our baptisms and when we are able to to know what we're getting in the supper, doesn't mean we should be looking down on the faith of those in heterodox church bodies. Should we pray for their faith? Absolutely. Should we pray for your faith too? Should we, should we reach out to them with the truth? Absolutely. Should do that too. But we should exercise, in Peeper's words, due restraint in judging their personal state. Yeah? What do you think, guys? It, this is, shows the purpose of this distinction between the primary and secondary fundamental doctrines is, is pastoral care. So that, so that Peeper says that what, the whole reason why we are making this distinction is so that we can come carefully into those pastoral conversations where someone doesn't have the right doctrine where someone has denied the gift of baptism, where someone has denied the gift of the body and the blood, where someone has, has denied some part of the scriptures, and we can come carefully in there, knowing the great danger that this person is in, but, all, but also not coming in to simply throw them overboard or dismiss them as non-Christians. We're able to speak to people who don't have the orthodox doctrine as, as Christian people. Maybe, I mean, maybe, maybe not, but, we, but we're able to go into that conversation uh, recognizing that the Lord works through the Word even a, even when baptism and the Lord's Supper are not there, and that while the the Holy Spirit is dragging, calling people to the gospel and calling people uh, to the church that has the gospel, He oftentimes is going to be calling people through these other churches and, and bringing them along, and and we're able to kind of again enter this conversation with a degree of subtlety and pastoral care because of the thing that. Dr. Pieper is about to introduce, and the thing that Pastor Preuss mentioned already, because of felicitous inconsistency, because people are not consistent with the doctrine. They don't recognize that if you deny baptismal regeneration, you deny regeneration. And because they don't recognize that those two things go together, they still have regeneration, even though they don't have it through baptism. It's really, it's quite amazing how all Lutheran theology is always going to be bending towards pastoral care. I think that's a really huge point. Uh, Preuss, you want to respond to that? Yeah, well, you know, what, what, what comes to mind is uh, two things that Jesus says. Uh, first, when, you know, when the disciples come to him and say, hey, there are people casting out demons in your name, but they're not one of us, so we told them to stop. And he said, hey, if they're not against you, then they're for you. But then Jesus also says, he who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters. And to, to kind of put those two together, that gives us a really good, uh, you know, uh, understanding of how we are to treat Urian Christians, um, and, and that if they're not against us, then they're for us. That doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to commune together and uh, share pulpits together and all that, but it does mean that we're not going to treat them as enemies. We're not going to treat them as those who are out to get, who are scoffers. And so there's a big difference between someone who is misled um, and yet trembles at the Word of God. That is, when he hears the Word of God, will say, hmm, boy, i got to think about that. Or, you know, it, it, you, and you can tell often, you know, when you talk to someone where you say, baptism saves, and he says, whatever, and then he starts mocking um, baptism. You know, that's scary when you see that. But when you talk to someone and you try to explain it, well, no, this is gospel. It's not simply some, it's not some dedication that we give to God. And I've seen this many times where then they think, they're not necessarily convinced right away, but they think, huh, yeah, okay, I'll have to think about that, you know, and that's, that, and so we should, we should recognize that, and, and recognize that it is not by our own reason or strength or worthiness that we have the pure doctrine among us. It is purely by God's grace. 
And so, you know, it's just like as God reminded the people of Israel, it wasn't because of your righteousness that I chose you among all the other nations. And so we should understand that uh, as, as Orthodox Lutherans as who, who, who uh, can boast from the Scriptures that we have this, the, the true Word of God preached among us, but recognize that it's a pure gift from God, and it's not by any of our own worthiness. I don't know. I always thought it was because we were Germans. And, and well, I'm not German, so. Uh, <laughs> oh, I Norwegians. forgot about that. I forgot about that. These Norwegians, yeah, they think they know worse. stuff. They, and they are. They come in and they start talking like, they act like they own the place and everything. It's, it's crazy. <laughs> we, we make you, see, what we Norwegians do is we make you think that you own the place. There you we, go. You know, oh, we, man. We really know. I, I like, uh, this, this has all been good stuff, guys. I, I like uh, kind of maybe to move toward an ending here just with about two minutes, a little more than that left. What Pastor Wolfmead said a few moments ago about how all of this is about feeding faith. All of it, he said pastoral care, but it's it's bigger than that, too, because it's not only pastors who can do this, but it's about these healthy words, these sound words being there for encouraging others, not just in a random like, hey, go with God, right? But, but in an actual building up of your real faith in the real man, Jesus, and who he is, what he's done, what he's coming again to do, and to see doctrine as before it's a book on a shelf, before it's uh, uh, something we need to all agree on and, and memorize, it is words given to give you life, <laughs> the living words to, to regenerate you into a, a hope that will not disappoint. And the more that we can hear the word doctrine or dogma in that way, the more we're going to want to find it and, and hold to it and cling to it and love it when it is revealed by grace to us, whether it be through a flawed church body like the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod or an, an even more flawed church body like some of the others you know, that are out there. So uh, response to that, you got a minute each. Well, I, I suppose I'll start. Uh, the, the you know this reminds me of then uh, the beginning of Proverbs, where uh, Solomon says to his son, you know, hold fast to instruction, which I think we could translate doctrine. And he says, guard her, for she is your life. Um, and this is what doctrine is. It's it's life, and uh, that means that that means two things: that both it saves us because it, it is the revelation of Jesus Christ our Savior, and also. It uh, remains our father throughout our lives and gives us joy. It gives us it gives us all of the feel all of all of the the good gifts of God, uh, uh, the the um, uh, self control, joy, peace, all those things. Look at you know look at the fruits of the spirit. This is what doctrine gives you. So make it your life. Let it be your life. Wolf Miller. We live in an age that has it, it has kind of a distaste for theological dispute, but this this conversation is a good reminder that the reason why we go and fight about doctrine is because it's through the doctrine that our dear Lord Jesus, who gave everything to save us, wants to give us even more. I mean, it's through the doctrine of baptism that Jesus wants to give us regeneration, life, salvation, the forgiveness of sins. It's through the supper that Jesus wants to give us his body and blood, the forgiveness of sins. It's through the doctrine that Jesus teaches us who we really are, desperate sinners, and who he really is, our Savior. And, and it's what the reason why we fight about this stuff and care about this stuff is because Jesus loves us so much that he wants us to have it. And we rejoice in that, in that essential thing, that Jesus wants us to have all of these gifts. And we are rightly upset at the people that want to steal them away. But even more, we have joy in the Lord Jesus who continues to come and give them to us day after day.
Pastor Brian Wolfmuller is pastor at Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado, and the author of the very mediocre and Germanic book, Has American Christianity <laughs> Failed? Uh, pastor Andrew Preuss, uh, he is a, a Norseman uh, pastoring German people in Iowa, Holy Cross Lutheran Church, and uh, in Emmanuel Lutheran Church. They are in, oh, I'm sorry, that, I just looked at no, the wrong thing. Was, yeah, Trinity totally Lutheran off. Church. Yeah, I got it way wrong. <laughs> Trinity Lutheran Church in Gutenberg. Now, that's not a Norse town. And St. Paul in McGregor, Iowa. Gentlemen, you've both been fantastic. Thank you for being on Cross Defense today. This is your weekly dose of worldview demolition. We want to build you up, not just break you down. Break down the lies, build you up on the foundation of the truth, which is who Jesus is, what he's done for you, and what he's coming again to do. I'm your host, Pastor Jonathan Fisk. We'll catch you next week. Until then, rock on. Listening to Cross Defense, produced by Worldwide KFUO, the official broadcast ministry of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Your support is vital for this program to continue. To learn about giving opportunities, call Mary at 314 996 1518. Or you can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at KFUO.org. Thank you for listening and supporting Cross Defense on Worldwide KFUO.